This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3396 for Monday, the 9th of August 2021. Today's show is entitled, Card Rolls in Magic the Gathering. It is the 260th show of Claw 2, and is about 39 minutes long, and carries a clean flag. The summary is, there are over 25,000 cards, in MTG you only need, 60 to play. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hey everybody, this is Klaatu. You're listening to Hacker Public Radio. I am going for a walk, but Ken has put out the dreaded call for shows. Uh, I say dreaded because that means that there aren't enough shows. It's not that I dread Ken's messages. I actually quite like to hear from Ken. He's a nice guy. So he, he said that we need shows in the queue, so while I'm walking, I decided why not record a show? And I know that all audio quality under such conditions is not ideal. I'm going to apologize once quickly right now for that, and then I'm going to never mention it again, at least in this episode. So in this episode, I want to talk about Magic the Gathering. Um, back in 2018... I did an episode called um, Magic the Gathering for Cheapskates, and uh, I wanted to um, talk about that a little bit more now, like three years later. Three? Three? Eight, nine, ten, eleven. Three years later. And oh, a couple of months, I think, because I think that was like in March, and I'm recording this in July. So, um, anyway, Magic the Gathering for Cheapskates. The idea to that was that you go to a store, a game store, and you buy their um, their their cast-offs, like all the cards that nobody else wants, and you buy a bunch of them, like a lot of cards, more cards than you'll ever need, and then from that pile of worthless cards, you assemble a deck and you start playing, and that has served me well. Um, I have um, I've stayed true to the ethos of not becoming um, a card addict, and generally, I since since investing in Magic the Gathering cards once, I have not had to invest in any more with two exceptions, and the second exception is what I want to talk about right now. Well, in a moment. The first exception was that I did buy a box of cards at full price, um, but it wasn't, it genuinely wasn't because I needed more cards to play with. It was um, to play the game with. It was because I uh, wanted cards to add to um, the my, my knowledge of um, a setting in Magic the Gathering, which also is a setting in D&D. And so I, um, I sort of got the cards as sort of game materials for Dungeons and Dragons more than for um, their purpose, their their primary purpose of Magic the Gathering. And I can back that up if you come over to my house. I'll show you the stack. It's not mixed in with my play card, the, the, the cards that I play with. It's over by my D&D books, so I'm not kidding. I really do keep those cards separate, and I use them during a Dungeons and Dragons game. Okay, so second exception 
is the thing that I want to talk about here. And, and it's, it's an important principle, I think, for, for potential Magic the Gathering players. And I'm by no means an expert. And you can find probably uh, literally books written on the subject. You can find podcasts that talk about this stuff endlessly. Um, I find all of that stuff a little bit overwhelming. And I'm going to... I'm kind of going under the assumption here that, that if you were to... If you were trying to get into Magic the Gathering then you would you might find them a little bit overwhelming as well because um, they're definitely for people who sort of talk and obsess about magic a lot more than certainly a beginner uh, magic player would 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 know how to deal with so when i said in 2018 that you can just buy a bunch of cards and start playing that that was true but um it, it, and and it's about as inefficient as um as 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 magic as playing magic acquiring magic cards are in any other way like there's there's really very few efficient ways to just buy a magic the gathering game essentially when you start magic the gathering you are signing up uh for a framework and the framework is a really good framework as I've demonstrated in, in other episodes about Magic the Gathering. Um, it's a really good framework for making a game. But but you do kind of have to make the game yourself. You have to assemble the decks. You have to, you have to build them so that they sort of work for you. So that they sustain you through a whole game. And I'll admit that it's a little bit of a strange experience. Like, normally when you go and buy a game, you get all the pieces in a box. And you take all the pieces out, you play the game, put the pieces away, and you're done. Magic the Gathering offers very few experiences like that. Now that said, there are some products out there that do offer that experience. You can buy them, they're called pre-constructed decks. They're, you know kind of expensive, uh, more expensive than getting the cast-offs, but then again you're guaranteed to get all of the cards that you need. But that's just one deck. So you're buying, yes, you're buying a game, but it's it's kind of, realistically, it's kind of not how Magic was designed. Like, they expect you, the, the, the people designing this game, and arguably redesigning the game every year because they keep coming out with new magic cards. Um, they expect you to build, to, to take the parts, the components that they're providing you year after year and build decks with it and sort of essentially make your own game out of the parts that they're providing you. So it takes some getting used to. Uh, the parallels from, you know, between that style of that style of game and for instance open source or linux or whatever are astounding like just the fact that people are making parts of a whole and throwing it out there um and just expecting you the the user to assemble them in the place in the in a way that's pleasant for for your purposes um i guess it's also like just PC building, you know, like if you're going to go out and get a, a gaming computer or a computer, then you buy all the parts and you know that you need a CPU and a RAM 
and a motherboard and probably a hard drive, a power supply. Did I say that already? Whatever. Um, and you and a tower, and you put them all in there. And that's the same thing with Magic the Gathering. But the 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 difference, the really important difference here, is that Magic the Gathering doesn't really have anywhere that I can find so far, and I have looked. Uh, they don't seem to have an explanation of what those components are. And part of that is because I think that they, the the creators of the game want to make sure that it, there's maximum flexibility. Like, they want to make sure that you, the tinkerer gamer, have, you have all the, um, all the components that you need and, and, and more. And so whatever weird outside-the-box idea you have for, for what you think would be the optimal Magic the Gathering game, you can create that. And, I mean, they've designed and released 25,000 cards. Over 25,000 cards. And so it's almost guaranteed that whatever concept you have, you can build. But again, I go back to the problem of if you're new to the game, or if you're just feeling your way, your way around in the game, then you don't have an idea yet. And it's kind of like when people tell you when you're starting to use Linux, you know, like about all the different desktops that you have to choose from. And you think, oh, this sounds very exciting. And I have no idea what to choose because they're all different. They're all, it's all the same to me. And the same is that I have no idea what they do or what the difference is. And people can tell you like, oh, well, KDE is this way and GNOME is like that and Fluxbox is like that. And that still means nothing to you because you don't, you, you don't have that experience yet. Magic the Gathering, I think, is a kind of similar conundrum. It's like, great, I'm so glad that I have 25,000 pieces to choose from. Uh, too bad I, I really have no clue what I want to do. So, my goal in this episode, dear listener, is to explain to you what the pieces are. So that if you get into, if you're looking to get into Magic the Gathering, then you'll be able to do so with some uh, information, some, some, uh, yeah, some clues as to which way to go. And I'm not going to be naming, like, specific cards. Um, indeed, I think that would be, uh, well, that would be a losing battle from the start, really, because, like I say, they're coming out with new cards every year, uh, multiple times every year. So it's, it's quite... It's quite a tall order to try to sort of give people a literal, like, menu to choose from. Like, that's just not possible. But I'm going to give you the roles that certain types of cards play. And then your job, and I'll tell you how to do this later, but your job will be, if you're looking to get into this game, your job will be to go on the internet and look up cards of this type and choose from those cards. And, and by, by, by choosing from those cards, of course, I mean going either onto internet vendors or going to your local game store if, if they're open, depending on your area. Uh, I'm recording this, and we're still uh, experiencing a pandemic, so only do that, obviously, if you're vaccinated and you're safe, and so on. But you can buy just single cards, 
and and they'll range from like 30 cents to $2. Uh, and you can buy single cards with some information on what you're buying. So, the first thing we're going to talk about are, I guess, the, the really obvious ones. And that are that is the land cards. L-A-N-D. Land cards. They famously provide the source of power for the game. Um, you're supposed to be like a wizard, essentially, in the game. And the wizard draws their magical powers from the land itself. So you need land cards. People uh, who play magic usually end up with way more land than they ever could need or want. And so they resell it pretty regularly. They are, in terms of rarity, they are more common than common. They're just, they're everywhere. Um, Unfortunately, you don't usually stumble across these cards when you, um, when you're out, uh, you know, getting up, get, getting discarded cards at a game store. So you might have to buy those, uh, sort of separately, but that's fine. I mean, most, many of the, many of the cards I'm talking about, um, will be things that you have to get separately, sort of apart from just getting a, a box of discards, uh, from your from your game store, so land cards. That's that's first of all. Um, the next one is going to be the big box of of just whatever cards you can find from your game store. As I think I detailed. I mean, honestly, I haven't listened to that episode in ages. But back in my 2018 episode, I believe I say go to your local game store, ask if they have um, you know spare cards that that people don't want that you can purchase. They, they will. Sometimes it takes them a while to sort of amass that that bargain bin um, after, you know, they, they have to wait like a couple of weeks until after they've held lots of events and people have tossed aside the, the loser cards that they don't want. You can buy those for dirt cheap. And like I say, if your local game store uh, doesn't have that, then you can probably find it uh, online anyway. Uh, just make sure that you're you're buying truly cheap stuff because um, these are just the cards that you need to kind of pad out the deck. It's not you're, you're not looking for anything specific. In fact, hey there, hey there, hey, how's it going? <laughs> He's just gonna sit here and let me pet him, I guess. Beautiful day, mate. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, mate. Yep. Uh, sorry, there's a, a canine friend that ran up to me. So anyway, these are cards that you're going to need to just kind of um, pad your deck. You know, you need to, like, do things like... Um, y- you need creatures on the board, and they don't have to be fancy creatures. I mean, in an ideal world, they would be, you know, super fancy creatures with lots of extra abilities and and lots of strengths and stuff like that. And I get it. I'm not. I'm not trying to do an episode on how to build, like the most optimized and powerful magic deck here. I'm trying to get you into this game, if you want to be into the game, for cheap and and with a reasonable sort of barrier to entry. So I'm just saying, go get the, the dirt cheap cards that nobody else wants, 
populate your deck with them. You're not going to win a tournament with this or anything, but I'm assuming that that's not the goal, and so you'll just get some cards. And these are significant because you you need cards to populate your deck. You just you just do. Um, you're going to put 24 lands into your deck, and then you're going to put a bunch of creatures and spells in your deck. And I think the official magic um, numbers are 17 to 18 creatures, 24 lands, and then, I don't know, whatever's left for um, sorceries and enchantments and instants and artifacts, things like that. So you're going to get a bunch of those, and you're going to put them into your deck. And you'll want those to kind of cover a whole spectrum of mana cost. So you're going to want some, they call it a a mana curve. You're going to want some that are really cheap to cast. Like they only take one mana. Uh, So once you get one land out onto your onto your board, onto your, onto the table in front of you, then you can start casting those really cheap ones really early. And those are important. They may not deal direct damage to your opponent. They may not deal a whole lot of damage at all, but at least they're there. And in Magic the Gathering, generally speaking, there are exceptions to everything. Generally speaking, when someone attacks you, if you want to throw a little meager... 1-1 one, one goblin in the in the path of that monster that goblin will save you life uh, points it will it will take the hit and protect you from taking a hit yourself as a player and sometimes that's worth it it's called chump blocking i have learned it's a fun term chump blocking um yeah so you can chump block with little tiny creatures and um not have to reduce your own life total. That's fun. So you're going to want some of those. But then again, you're going to also want some big creatures too, right? Like some 4-4s four and 5-5s five and 6-6s six or whatever you can find in that big pile of stuff that nobody else wants. Just throw them into your deck because you're going to want kind of the whole spectrum. You're going to want a good a good range of cheapish uh, creatures. Uh, I'm talking about mana cost, cheap mana creatures, and some more, more expensive ones. So you'll want the 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 curve there. So we got land cards. We've got um, chump blockers and just general. Pur- I should call them general purpose creatures and and spells. That's r- what they really are. They're just general purpose. So so far we've probably we've probably spent. I don't know, some amount of dollars. Why am I trying to put a number on it? Um, it's going to change from region to region anyway. And at this point, I'm so... Um, I'm so... Well, I live in New Zealand for the past seven years. So, I mean, all of the money figures that I have in my head are New Zealand money figures. And that may or may not apply to you. So, I'm not going to put a number on it. But we've, 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 gotten by, we've gotten out of this pretty cheap so far. we got land and we've got cards that nobody wants so next this is the stuff that this is the the stuff that you're here for this is the the um the stuff that you might have to look a little bit harder for some of these you're going to find in your bargain bin some of them you're going to have to purchase specially online by buying single cards that other people other players are selling this is why Magic the Gathering is called the trading card game. I mean, admittedly, I think the intent was a literal trade, 
like, hey, I will give you this card or these two cards for that one good card, and and you do that. But in real life, uh, especially with the internet being what it is, uh, the easiest way to get from here to there often is to just exchange money for it. And that's what people do. They go to the, a game store, they sell a card that other people consider to have value. They sell that to the game store, and then the game store sells that to someone who doesn't have that card, but wants that card. Like I say, this could mean that you're paying 30 cents for the card. It could mean that you're paying $300. I mean, it really just depends on what card it is that you're looking for. But I am recommending to you the categories of cards you're going to search the internet for. You're going to find a list of cards that serve a certain function, and then you're going to find the cheap one, or the one, I should say, in your in your range of acceptable expenditure, and then you're going to purchase those. It, it's, it's not hard. Um, honest. Okay, so, the one category is going to be, let's call it just... Actually, I think I've already covered that. So I was going to say general damage. But that's that's what you've got in your in your bargain bin. You've got general things that that do general damage. Another thing that you're going to want to look for is is our cards that do direct damage. Direct damage could mean that it is targeting a specific card, like a target card, target creature, target spell, something like that, where you get to pick what you are damaging, because normally in Magic the Gathering, you just blindly attack. You just tell your opponent, I attack you with these cards, and your opponent gets to choose what you're actually attacking. That's one of the um, the powerful sort of player agencies that the game does allow the defender, is that the defender gets to choose what takes the damage. Now, there are some cards, though, and they're usually a little bit more special than, you know, this bargain bin stuff. Although that said, there are bargain bin cards that I have found that do direct damage. So I have not purchased these separately. But it's it's kind of it's luck of the draw. You know, if you got a bargain bin selection that includes these kinds of cards, then great. If you didn't, then you'll have to buy separately. So you will want some cards, you know, one, two, three, four. Magic number for me is four, because the rule of a magic deck is that you can not have more than four of the same card. So I just kind of use four as my guiding uh, number. Again, it's probably not like the right number. It's probably not the most optimal number, but that's just kind of the number I have. I figure if I have four of all the categories that I've defined, then the likelihood of that card coming up at some point in my deck when I need it is pretty good. Like, there's probably a way to get a feel for your deck and decide, oh my gosh, I need four of these cards and four of those cards. Both of them fit the the purpose of doing gen- of doing direct damage. But just based on my strategy, as my deck is playing, I realize I need to be drawing that capability very frequently. Like, every other hand 
cycle. I, I need to have one of those cards available to me, whatever. And that, that kind of thing is something you kind of literally, you just get the feel of it after you've played a couple of times. There's, there's definitely play testing involved here, which again, not normal, I don't think, for most games, but for Magic of the Gathering, it's kind of par for the course. So, direct damage is a category of cards. You're going to want to look for it. And in every category, for me, when I'm thinking about these things, I think about them in four separate ways. I think of them... Will I be able to remember them? Uh, I think of them as artifacts, creatures, spells... And I've forgotten the other one right now. But um, artifacts, creatures, spells... Maybe only three categories. Either way, I think of those so that when I'm looking online for something, then I know, okay, well, I'm looking for the category of, you know, the the top, top, the, the best cards in Magic the Gathering to do direct damage. Like, I'll look for that. And then when I'm looking through my options, when I found that list online, wherever I found it, I'll look through and try to f- make sure that I've purchased a card within that category that affects artifacts, affects creatures, affects spells. And I think there's probably one other thing that I look for that I just, I'm not keeping, I'm just, I don't have it in my head right now. Um, I mean, I literally have it written down at home, but I'm on a walk, so I don't have that in front of me. Direct damage, okay, so the other category, so I've got general damage, direct damage, Oh, and land, of course. Uh, and then the next one that I I came up with was counterspells. Counterspell, probably not, like, absolutely essential, but it's a pretty important one that I feel like you're probably going to want to have it in, in your hand. And again, four is the kind of the magic number that I go with. Not the best, probably. But that's what I do. I'm like, I want something to counterspell. Just in the event... Some might say inevitable, but it probably depends on, you know, kind of like what you're playing against. There's no way to predict that, so I, I like to have a counterspell card or two or four. And so once again, I do a search, the internet, best cards, Magic the Gathering, counterspell. You'll, you'll get a list of like 50 cards, 80 cards that do counter, that, that are Magic the Gathering and they do counterspells. In other words, they are instant things that you can play in response to someone else's spell. So when they whip out something that's about to clear the board or or kill one of your, you know, the direct they have a direct damage thing that's going to zap one of your most important cards out of the out of existence, you can produce this instant card and say nope, I counter that spell. Or when they're summoning a creature that you really don't want on the on their board, on their battlefield. You can whip out this thing to counter that that creature summoning. Whatever it is. And again, I kind of try to look for things that, you know, something that specifically counters a creature summoning or a certain kind of spell. Um, I haven't really looked anything for artifacts, but I imagine there's probably something like that. Again, 25,000 cards, so I'm sure there's something like that. So, look for that. Counter spells. Uh, and then, the next one I've got is card draw. Magic the Gathering, um, 
is really, really strict. Like, draconianly strict. Dra- draconically. They're, they're really, really strict uh, about drawing cards. By nature, uh, by the rule of the game, the, you know, the one of the few rules of Magic the Gathering. Well, there's a lot of rules, actually. But, I mean, in terms of, like, the base foundation rule that you have to learn, one of them is that you draw one card at the beginning of your turn. And that's all you get. So, in a Magic the Gathering turn, you're typically hoping to play at least one land card, especially at the beginning of the game, and probably some other card. Because now you've got land... So you're going to try to cast something, whether it's a spell or you're summoning a creature. You're doing something. So if you do the math, which I'm unable to do as I walk, but you could do the math. You're spending at least two cards every turn, and you're drawing one. Your hand is going to become uh, pretty... You're going to deplete that hand pretty quickly uh, if you're doing that on a reliable, in, in a reliable way. So... One of the categories I would uh, sort of I, I think of is uh, some some kind of card to enable you to draw extra cards. This can be difficult to find sometimes. Um, th- these are the cards. These are the ones that actually caused me. Um, these are among the ones that caused me to purchase just a couple more Magic: The Gathering cards uh, after the fact that I actually play with because. Um, I was just realizing in in games, I was depleting my hand. I was like running out of cards in hand, and I was reduced to like essentially drawing a card at the beginning of each turn and playing that one card. And that was my well. I mean, if I had land out, I could do things with creatures and stuff. But I mean, essentially, I was not really. I was not empowered, you know, to choose anything on my turn. I was just drawing and playing what I got, or not playing anything, which was even worse. Um, so, something that allows you to draw more cards. I, I feel like red is the worst color for that. I don't know that I ever even got a red card that would enable me to do that. But I think I got some colorless ones that made up for the fact. But yeah, it's it can be a little bit difficult depending on what color you're playing. There's a way around that, though. Uh, well, number one, like I say, colorless. You might be able to find stuff that even though you're playing a red deck, then maybe there's something with colorless mana that you could cast within your red deck. Or maybe you're not playing a mono red deck. Maybe you're playing a, a red and black deck or something. Not that black is all that great for drawing either, to be honest. Red and blue. There you go. Um, red and green. Whatever. Red and white. All of those colors have draw ability, so if you look for them, so you can purchase a couple of cards, again, four is my magic number, and that way when you're getting low you happen to draw one of these cards that says, spend you know, three mana and draw two cards or or discard well, that wouldn't be as good, but you know, whatever. There are cards that let you draw extra cards, which is great. There are even some artifacts that you can put down on the board that just let you permanently, it changes the rules. It just lets you, every time you draw for the first, you know, on your, at the beginning of your turn, you draw two instead of one. I think. I think I've seen that. Um, so that, yeah, drawing. It's important. So one way around that sometimes can be what they call in the magic community recursion. 
recursion means that you have some cards in your deck that enable you to rifle through your discard pile, your graveyard, and get cards back into play from your graveyard. Sometimes they go into your hand, which means that you have to then probably wait another round, you know, before you can actually play them. But sometimes they go directly to the battlefield, which means that you you play that card, and suddenly you have more cards on your battlefield, like, instantly. So, yeah, you're not drawing from your deck. Sometimes that can be a good thing, because in Magic the Gathering, if you if you deplete your draw deck, your, or what they call your library, uh, then you, at some point, you will lose, because you will be compelled to draw a card. And when you are unable to draw a card, but are supposed to be drawing a card, then that is a lose condition. So you will lose the game. So sometimes it's better to pilfer through your re- your graveyard with what they call recursion uh, than, than it is to draw from your draw deck, which they call your library. So that that the recursion and the drawing, those are the two that I purchased separately. But when I say that I purchased them separately, I mean, I'm talking about like, I don't know, 12, 15, 20 cards for like 28 bucks, I think. So, I mean, it wasn't, it's not like I had to break the bank or anything. I mean, 28 bucks isn't pocket change, but um, over the course of three years, deciding, or yeah, three years, deciding that um, that I needed, you know, 20 more cards to sort of round out my deck, I felt like that was not, that was not an unreasonable expense. So, plus, I actually got it with some of that money that I got uh, from, as of course, sort of a bonus at work. So that didn't, I didn't feel like I was actually, I mean, a penny saved is a penny earned. But still, look, I spent 28 bucks on some cards. That's what I'm trying to say. So those are the categories that I came up with. Um, once again, it's land, which, I mean, that's a one-time purchase. Your bargain bin general purpose cards, that's a one-time purchase. Well, all of these are one-time purchases, I guess. Um, and then direct damage, counterspell, draw, and recursion. And I don't really think that there's any other categories that I can personally think of. There are a bunch of categories that you could think of based on a strategy that you eventually develop. But again, I don't think you're going to be developing strategies at first because you don't know what's available when you're first starting out. So it'll take you a while to get to the point where you think, I can't believe Klaatu didn't even mention cards that give you a life boost. Like, what was he thinking not including that in his little intro, his quote-unquote intro? What a travesty. Well, you're right. I mean, like, life boost cards would be handy, and it is a fair category, and it does appear in a lot of different colors. So that would be a valid category to kind of like have in mind and maybe build a deck or, or, you know, buy separately as single cards to, um, to, 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 to add to your sort of arsenal. But then again, I mean, it's not so general purpose, you know, that, that I think that it would be a, a category to keep in mind from, from the start. Because naturally, like the game is about depleting your life points, arguably. I mean, some people argue that that's not really what the game is about, because 
in a way, they're right. You can get down to one life point and still be in the game, like as long as you manage that one life point. Uh, whereas if you run out of cards in your draw deck, your library, then you lose. So, yeah, there are arguments lots of different ways, but my point is that life boost is a, a feature, not a requirement. Whereas I think drawing cards is a requirement. Um, general damage is a requirement. Land is a requirement. So those three, I would say, are requirements. Uh, and when I say draw, I guess I really mean also recursion, since that is a it's another form of drawing. So essentially keeping your hand populated with cards. So that would be recursion, drawing, and then of course just to have a deck at all, you need that general, those general cards, and some land cards. So those would be the really, really important ones. And then maybe optionally, I would go, I would drill down a little bit and say, okay, well, yeah, I want some direct damage. I want some counter spells. And then maybe eventually you'll decide, you know, I really want some big blockers, just some walls to throw up. Maybe I want some cards to add to my life total because I'm, I've got a lot of cards in my deck that deduct from my life. So I need something to counter, counterbalance that. Or maybe you think, well, I've really noticed that I'm having a lot of success draining my card my, my opponent of their cards what what magic calls milling milling as in like a flour mill so you're milling your opponent of cards uh and making their draw deck depleting their draw deck thereby forcing them to lose the game when they when they go to draw and have no cards to draw or maybe you're you're, you're noticing that your creatures are great but 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 they get really great when you add when you boost them with with extra with extra strength and extra um, toughness, power and toughness, so you, you decide that you really want to invest in some cards that give your creatures additional power, uh, because that's just the way that you're winning. All of those things are great options, and I think knowing how to find magic cards online as individual cards and knowing sort of the categories to search for, I think that's where it really sort of starts to come together in a reasonable and efficient manner. Whereas the other way to do all of this is just to go up, you know, show up to Friday Night Magic at your game store and just buy a bunch of cards every week, which is fine. You can do that. You can spend your 20 bucks every Friday for a great night out and you'll have a lot of fun and you'll have a lot of cards and you'll have a lot to choose from and you can kind of assemble all of these components from that. I just find that to be very inefficient and it kind of runs counter to sort of my natural sort of financial strategy. So I recommend identifying the categories that you want to play with and invest in those as single cards. And those categories, again, and I'll put these in the show notes, recursion and drawing, general cards, and land. Those are the... Oh, and I forgot to talk about sort of hacks around land which are important but i guess that'll be some maybe some other episode because i'm at home now so thank you very much for going on this walk with me i'll talk to you next time you've been listening to hacker public radio at hackerpublicradio.org we are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday monday through friday Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. 
Eka Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.